another episode of Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Solutions podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transactions that has hit the markets, and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This 20-minute roundup is a curated shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally, and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. We are pleased to have hit episode 10 of this series since we started earlier this year, and this coincides quite nicely as Sustainalytics also hit a mini milestone of 500 SPOs this month. This episode is hosted by Nick and Cheryl, who lead the sales effort in Asia-Pacific. But first, let's look at some news. So Nick, what are some of the headline numbers and events that happened in the month of September? Yeah, lots of things have um, have happened, Cheryl. But I guess a first of all, uh, congratulations to us for reaching double digits on the podcast. So getting to episode 10, which is great. Uh, but also Sustainalytics reaching 500 SPOs globally in, in many, many different countries over the last few years. So it's been a great all-round team effort and we look forward to supporting more customers and banks going forward in this rapidly evolving, incredibly interesting um, world of sustainable finance. Um, so to dive into a few of the headlines, I guess, as we normally do, just start with some of the recent uh, volumes. So if we look at the third quarter, CBI, our climate bond initiative, came out with some numbers over the month. So I think it's a, a record month, about $185 billion of sustainable debt issued over Q3 in, uh, in 2020, which is about 47% above the same quarter last year. Now, a few bigger transactions possibly in the quarter, but it just shows more indicatively the momentum that the market uh, has and, and COVID really accelerating some of these trends. So I guess overall, you know, green bond market now over a trillion dollars being issued over time, total sustainable finance markets with all different types of products exceeding two trillion. So lots and lots of different milestones being met and being uh, being delivered. So we'll talk more about ongoing numbers in, in future podcasts, but just really positive the momentum, the ongoing uh, diversity of, of some types of issuers and different types of projects coming to market from all sorts of corporates, you know, governments, development banks. So, you know, really, uh, really exciting times. And 2020 has been a pretty tough year for everyone. And looking forward to some really uh, a brighter, a brighter uh, year, but fantastic momentum in these products and markets at the moment. And what about yourself, Cheryl? What have you noted over the month? Yes, on the topic of market updates, uh, ICMA, the International Capital Market Association, published quarterly updates highlighting some of the interesting bonds that was issued in the past quarter. Uh, go check that out. We also contribute a short little piece on sustainability-linked bonds. So it's a nice little snapshot about some of the more headline bond transactions in the past quarter. ICMA also published some questions on the EU green bond standards. So, uh, you know, I saw a couple of articles saying, you know, ICMA flags concerns over planned EU green bond standard. So have a look um, at some of these articles. Another significant development announced was that the EU Commission formed a working group to discuss the social taxonomy. So this is going to be a great reference point for social transactions in the future and will really support this market growth. What about you, Nick? Anything else caught your eye? Yeah, a few, uh, a few things. But it's good to hear about the taxonomy, um, Cheryl, on the social side. I'm still reading parts of the 600 pages of the green one, but I uh, look forward to future, uh, future installments. And that uh, sounds like a really significant development that will hopefully grow. Um, in terms of a few things that jumped out to me, in particular, I guess is the rapid increase in growth in the market will always be accompanied by growing scrutiny. Um, so there's been some different types of markets looking at greenwashing, challenging some deals, looking at 
carbon performance of companies that have issued green bonds and things like that. So I think scrutiny is good. And obviously, we, no one advocates for greenwashing. And it's really important to involve a good second party opinion provider, you know, such as ourselves, work with a good bank, look at precedents that have been done uh, in the market. But certainly, we're not at the end zone, if you like, of all the sustainable finance products. You know, some of the products are not, uh, not perfect, but we're definitely heading in the right direction and creating some really good uh, momentum. But check those out for our, uh, for our listeners. A couple of different articles put out there and to, to see and be aware of the different perspectives in the, uh, in the market. Yes, and similarly, there was also noise around, you know, Total's transaction, for example. This French energy giant, they secured a USD 14.9 billion uh, financing for its liquid natural gas LNG project in Mozambique. And there were concerns among industry professionals that this, you know, 14.9 billion lending is not aligned with some of the sustainability pledges made by the governments. So again, um, there's going to be more scrutiny about transactions in the markets and about the credibility of these transactions. And you, you can see, um, you know, this oil deal, which is Africa's biggest project finance deal ever. It was funded by, you know, eight export credit agencies and nine development uh, commercial bank facilities, as well as a loan from the AFDB. So more, more scrutiny is definitely expected from, from transactions that come to market with, you know, a green label. And I, I guess too, Cheryl, hopefully that drives you know, constant evolution of the market, different challenges issued to or given to, you know, to issuers and to challenge some of the assumptions and, and some of the things they've put together. So I think that helps the market market grow, uh, keeps, it, uh, keeps it dynamic as well. Um, so one other thing that I did notice, I'm sure, over the month was the, um, I guess there's a lot more talk about some economies coming out with net zero pledges and companies with net zero pledges. And now more and more banks are starting to announce their commitments to those. HSBC had a recent very significant commitment to really rapidly reduce or to move to a net zero financed emissions uh, over, over time. But what I really noticed over the month was the SBT or the science-based um, targets initiative uh, working with, uh, with two degrees um, have come up with some tools for banks and how, that, how do you measure that across your portfolio? I guess banks, have buildings and people and they can control those emissions um, themselves. But when they're financing companies uh, or finance the mission, so to speak, you know, what tools do you have to measure how much you need to reduce their emissions by? How do you control it? How do you measure it? Um, there's also a great tool that's available in the market called Pacta. And I guess building upon that, we saw um, ING with their Terra project. And I think the second installment where they have for at least 10 industries, I believe, uh, mostly higher emitting sectors, their pathways for those sectors to get to kind of net zero and where the bank is in terms of their own portfolio and what they're financing. So that's probably the best example I've seen and really look forward to, to seeing more banks' commitments in that space and the more development of tools to help the banks measure. How do you measure emissions across a portfolio? What are the approaches? What is the best way? How do you report on that? How do you show it? Um, so we know what the banks are doing and there's some accountability there. So uh, check out the ING Terror report. What about sovereigns, Nick? Have you heard any interesting commitments uh, by sovereigns? Yeah, sovereigns. So apart from the, the 2060 and 2050 announcements um, by different governments, I think we may have mentioned some of those in the, in the last podcast. New Zealand continues to be a really uh, a real leader in, in some of this space um, and has come out with regulations to have climate reporting compulsory at a point in time. Uh, I think the UK, um, since putting the, the notes together for the podcast, has also released plans 
to make some of that climate reporting mandatory. So you're really seeing some good, some bold ambition coming out. Uh, Australia also, probably in the next podcast, we'll talk about the sustainable finance initiative that, that Australia's put out. So lots of ambitions put out, lots of targets, lots of uh, regulations, and really good to see some governments really putting some, some great things out there like New Zealand. Uh, what else have we got here? MENA, or the Middle East, continues to, to grow, so there's been quite a bit of uh, noise about that. In a positive sense, that is. The MAS uh, announced here in Singapore stress tests to the banks within two years. So I think that's coming and showing that the regulators are really getting upping the ante on, on the banks in terms of what are your financing, what are your stress tests, what are your transition risks, you know, which is good to see. Good to see. So more disciplines around those sorts of, uh, those sorts of things. Um, a few articles about Malaysia and the, and the ongoing efforts there, different types of projects, a big Sukuk uh, market as well, and a lot in relation to ASEAN and the nations in ASEAN um, really looking to finance more transition, look at climate risk. So loads and loads of different things. I've sort of meshed a few different articles together in that brief summary, Cheryl. But um, yeah, sovereigns, we know, continue to be a really cat a strong and catalyzing force in a lot of these markets, and particularly the emerging ones and even the developed markets. So good to see some commitments being raised up in the ante with some regulations. What about yourself, Cheryl? Apart from that, what else did you spot? Yeah, over in corporate heartland, there was a great report from BCG, uh, which talks might be interesting for some of the sustainability folks tuning in about sustainable business model innovation, SBMI. So SBMI helps companies to create environmental and societal sur uh, surplus because, you know, the concept that there's escalating investor and social activism, there's this mounting sense of urgency to mitigate climate change impacts, as well as, you know, what we see about the rising standards for this social license to operate. So good report for maybe some of these sustainability folks, you know, to, to figure out how to incorporate some of these sustainable business uh, innovation into your corporate strategy planning. Another interesting article uh, is in yet another sign about the pace of global energy transition and this massive switch taking place in the investment com community. We see the market value of the companies, uh, one of the world's biggest producer of wind and solar power, US utility Next Era, has overtaken what used to be the world's most valuable company, oil major ExxonMobil. So this flip occurred last week when Next Era overtook ExxonMobil to become the largest energy company in the U.S. by market value. Um, and, you know, Forbes reported that an investment in next era a decade ago would have delivered a, a return of over 600%, whereas an investment in ExxonMobil would have returned minus 25%. So this shift is, is very significant, uh, quite eye-popping, really. And it's also seen similarly in the auto industry. If you have been noticing and charting what has been happening with electric vehicle maker Tesla, they too have overtaken some of the biggest car companies in the world in the past year. And it's at the point now where it's valued um, more than the next five biggest global car makers combined. Very big numbers to digest, but very exciting times indeed. Capital Land as well has unveiled its sustainability master plan, which focuses on their sustainability targets, their strategies and plans into 2030. So under the plan, they have clear environmental related targets laid out. You know, those include reducing carbon emission intensity by 78%, as well as to increase some of their electricity consumption to renewable sources by 30%, um, as well as some other commitments around water consumption for their operating properties. So great to see uh, some of these corporate commitments coming through. 
moving on now to our next segment about green bonds as well as you know some of the financial instruments. Nick, can you share with us any interesting uh, green bond deals that caught your eye in September? Absolutely, and I say this every month. The small, it's the smorgasbord again, and this month uh, over October, no different. So I'll give some of the the highlights. There's there's too many to mention uh, individually, but I'll just give a flavour. As we say most months, property continuing to be one of the mainstays. Wash reef, went to market, Argosy. Um, in New Zealand, so good to see New Zealand having some transactions there. Land lease in Australia, good to see Australia still issuing or some of the corporates, uh, some of the corporates there. And we had still ongoing issuance uh, across Europe and other parts of the world in relation to property. Um, slightly sort of different one to property is in, in the case of data centres. So in the UK, the Global Switch Holdings or, or GSH, um, which is an operator of data centres, went to market. So that's a real trend we've seen. Um, a lot of ICT come to market over the last couple of years with Vodafone and Verizon and, and others. And the ongoing extension of that into data centers, I think, is a, is a great thing. Change gears a little bit in relation to renewables. So renewables, again, like property, continues to be a significant area of activity in, in these markets. So we saw a couple of things, development agencies or New York State Energy R&D Development Authority do some renewables. We saw Star Energy in Indonesia do some geothermal. We saw um, deals in, uh, in Thailand with um, assets in, uh, in Vietnam, Renew uh, Power went to market, uh, EDF. and possibly many others, which is uh, too long to mention here. Um, banks also continue to be a, a really strong sector in terms of issuing as well and signaling to the market their intentions around their what they're financing in their portfolios. So a number of banks continuing to, to go to market. ED, sorry, EBRD are going to market. Zuho, AFC and others over the, uh, over the month. In terms of the transport sector, we've talked about, I guess, the auto sector, I should say, the last couple of months. Um, Cheryl, you, you remember in the podcast about the different types of, of auto producers and manufacturers going to market. And TMCC this time, Toyota Finance, which is a finance arm of that, looking at going to, uh, to market. I hope they've done that transaction already. So that's good to see. What else have we got here? Sovereigns, which we've sort of talked a little bit about before in terms of Egypt. Malta now talking about something as, uh, as well. And just a couple of others to mention, Adidas. So we've seen a couple of different types of players, I call it in the, the, the fashion and apparel and, and sports gear, go to market. VF Corp earlier in the year, um, Chanel more recently, and, and some others. So good to see a focus on materials, what they're using. So check out that Adidas one, which we worked on. A couple of water transactions, Whitmer um, and also ADB uh, supporting some, some loans in Georgia. So look, there, there's a couple more others, but... Um, I think they're the key. Uh, they're the key one. So again, some diversity, some of the mainstays, and, and some ongoing diversity growing there. Um, what about green loans, Cheryl? Is there any room in the market for for green loans over October? Absolutely. So similar trends and on the mainstay front, you have property companies, CLS Holdings. Um, they secured a GBP $154 million long-term green loan from Aviva Investors, which is secured against a portfolio of 12 UK properties. Uh, renewables as well, uh, mainstay here in the loans sector. Um, I like the article title of this, From Loan to Lightbulb, Sebastopol Solar Farm is Green All Over. So it's a Spanish renewable developer announced that they had secured financing for a 90 megawatt a Sebastol solar farm, which is located in a grid challenge southwest of New South Wales from a green loan from ING. 
um, over in Vietnam as well. Um, it's great to see more activity happening there after we did you know, our transaction with BP Bank uh, earlier this year. So ADB uh, signed its first green loan with Vietnam Puyen for a 257 megawatt solar farm. This is the largest single operating solar power plant in Vietnam, as well as one of the largest in Southeast Asia. So this USD 186 million loan is, is the country's first certified green loan. Over in the shipping space, uh, Euronav seals a 713 million green financing to fund new VLCCs. So these, these are very large crude carriers. It's a bit strange for us to see, you know, to label a, a green transaction given that the tankers are ferrying crude oil. Uh, so we probably might might not classify that under green so much. Yeah, that's about it for green loans uh, in September. Any interesting social bonds, Nick? Yeah, so just a couple of things on on the social side of things. So we saw the record-breaking bond in the EU really geared around social needs and, and sort of COVID uh, recovery. I think that was the biggest ever, or at least $100 billion program and we'll see how much is issued either now and into the future. Connectivity that I mentioned before about data centers and telcos, we saw a, an interesting one, a US nonprofit called a National Rural Utilities Co-op Finance Corporation, that's a mouthful, issuing a social bond to drive connectivity of internet services in really rural areas. So some nonprofits doing some pretty interesting things in these markets as well. Affordable housing, we saw Sage in the UK uh, go to market again and then also interestingly in malaysia good to see um, some affordable housing getting financed there through through kagamas so similar themes different markets and some newer ones of relation to, to this connectivity and, and services as well which is um which is good to see um, and slbs i guess not such a new section for us anymore cheryl having done this a few months now and seeing a few more things even since putting these notes together for the podcast more transactions coming to market but anything that's really jumped out over uh, over October in particular. Yes, no new SLBs has hit the market in October from what we know, but there's just a bunch of articles talking about the SLBs done so far in September. Um, and there's this great one from Nordea, which summarizes the SLBs that's been done and as well as comments about the investor reception. So do check that that article out. Um, it nicely summarizes all you know the, the different terms and the and the pricing mechanisms um, for you know kind of like the four SLBs done in September. Similarly, Wall Street Journal also did a write-up on SLBs titled Companies Test a New Type of ESG Bond with Fewer Restrictions. Uh, with Novartis, Susano, Chanel issued billions of dollars in SLBs in September. Um, so we'll look to see more and more of such formats and you know, in some ways, these SLBs being more flexible in nature in terms of use of proceeds may grow much faster than their transition bond cousins. Moving on as well, uh, we see Bloomberg uh, coming out with an article titled Emerging Market Banks Looking at ESG-Linked Bonds, and do check that out. But also maybe I think it might be quite nice to segue into an FAQ section. Uh, we're just picking on some of the questions we have received from our listeners recently. Nick, can you share a little bit about you know what you think about whether SLBs will eat the market share on transition? Yeah, absolutely. And just a reminder for the listeners out there, our email address is podcast at sustainalytics.com. So drop us a note and fire in a couple of uh, questions so we can spice up the podcast with some interesting questions from our uh, listeners, which is hopefully growing uh, every episode. Um, but I really like that question, Cheryl, because I think it's it sort of just shows that there's two, there's different products in the market. And I think the more diversity we have of product gives further diversity to the types of issuers, which I think is healthy for everyone. So I think they're meant to coexist. Um, I think 
Some sustainability-linked bonds can support transition. And also on the transition side, something may be finance specifically ring-fenced directly at transition. So they're different in nature. You know, SLBs, general corporate purpose, transition generally much more use of proceeds. But I think the key thing is they're meant to coexist and they're going to be more attractive to some types of issuers than the other. And we'll see how that develops. But that's a really good question. And maybe we should revisit some of these questions in maybe six or 12 months time to see if our answers uh, have, uh, have changed or whether my answers have held in this instance. Yes, and the second question is, do you think transition will finally take off? Yeah, I do. So a couple of things. Um, I believe ICMA's coming out with some principles on companies in terms of what they need to do around their strategy. And I think that's going to be a really important foundational piece. You know, CBI's come out with a white paper on, uh, on transition. We've come out with our work on transition. So I think it's just a matter of time. I think maybe some SLBs have taken a bit of the limelight recently, but I think more companies working on their transition plans in the context of many, many more governments setting regulations uh, setting net zero targets. Transition is there and getting thought about. It's possibly a little bit harder to do. It's more challenging, but everyone's going to have to approach that. So I think next year we'll probably really see some further key references come to market that will underpin it uh, going forward. Thanks, Nick. So let's move on now to sustainability-linked loans. Uh, we, we see much more interesting transactions in the loan fronts for sustainability-linked formats with new issuers coming in, such as those in mining, in rubber tires, in shipping, as well as F&B. So for shipping for a start, so SLLs, there has been explosive growth in this industry. Uh, companies around the globe have raised almost $275 billion of loans with interest rates tied to their sustainability performance uh, since the first such deal came into market in 2017. So this is a good article from Bloomberg Quint. Do check it out in the show notes. Another interesting one is Lafarge Holson. Uh, they followed Enel with a sustainability-linked loan of uh, Euro 3 billion. And this is the world's largest cement company that has you know, mentioned that they will stop issuing these notes if their ESG risk rating falls out of the top 25% uh, per the rating given by us in the companies in the construction material sector. So it might be quite unlike in the unlikely event that they do fall out, uh, they will be required to publicize that fact. Moving on to another shipping deal would be C-SPAN um, acquired their first SLL tied to two KPIs, with the first being the alignment to the carbon intensity of their vessels to IMO's 2050 decarbonization goals. And the second um, target is quite interesting. It's about fostering cooperation with charterers in order to advance the decarbonization agenda by seeking you know, sustainability-linked provisions in future charter contracts. Another shipping transaction, um, Norwegian shipping company Claveness Combination Carriers, they enter into a 60 million sustainability improvement loan to finance the delivery of their seventh and eighth clean blue vessels, which are due in 2021. So the interest margins uh, will adjust up or down, depending on whether KCC uh, meets their goals of reducing CO2 emissions per ton of transported cargo per nautical mile. Moving on to French tire manufacturing Michelin wheels, they had a Euro 2.5 billion three-year SLL with you know 18 banks. So really excited to see you know rubber manufacturers and wheels manufacturers uh, coming into this game. Enel is back as well with another one billion in SLL facility. 
to help them increase their renewables capacity. This was a six-year loan supported by a syndicate of six banks. So they have done SLBs and now SLLs. Great to see that you know they're very committed to sustainable financing. Tesco, uh, in the food and beverage space, they did a 2.5 billion GBP pound loan, which is tied to their emissions as well as food waste targets. So, you know, these targets are, are captured, they are scope one and scope two emissions, as well as, you know, it's, it's tied to some of their commitments to increase their PPA uh, purchase agreements. Lastly, metals and mining, Trifigura closed a 500 million low carbon aluminum financing, uh, which is designed to engage their value chain of stakeholders to accelerate the transition to low carbon technologies. So very exciting to see metals and mining as well coming in to the market. Uh, what about transition, Nick? Anything interesting spotted over there? Yeah, absolutely. A few things continue to grow in, in that particular space. So just a couple of things to mention. Um, Canada's looking at creating a taxonomy and obviously being a very heavily uh, resource-based economy, um, starting to look at some of the transition things they're going to need to do in terms of their uh, taxonomy. Not, a, not an easy task, so we'll see what, what develops from there. Uh, we saw a transition labelled bond uh, from Etihad Airways, which was actually a sukuk as well. So definitely check that out in terms of the frameworks uh, and what was underpinning that one for our listeners to, to look at and form their views on that. Uh, we've seen a couple of, of things in relation to steel, you know, Arcelor committing to, to carbon neutral. So I, I think it's good to see it's still some, some heavy hitting players in these sectors committing to net, net zero, and that will then drive their capex spends and other innovations that they need to, to do. So just a couple of quick ones uh, this, um, uh, for this month. What about labelled or sustainability type of products, I'm sure? Did anything jump out to you uh, over the month? Yes, Nick, just one. Um, hedging solutions uh, we have seen in coming from Hong Kong, Heisen Development. They unveiled the first ever sustainability-linked derivative hedging solution, saying that it, it marks you know, a big development for the company's green financial ambitions. So under this near 15-year sustainability-linked hedge of USD 125 million, the Hong Kong property developer commits to remain a constituent member of the Hang Seng Corporate Sustainability Benchmark Index, where they have to rank uh, on the top 20%. If not, they would uh, make a contribution to an impact-driven charity approved by BNP. Maybe now we could ask you to, to help us round out some of the key regulatory industry developments that we should keep an eye out for. Absolutely. One of my favourite sections, but difficult with lots of different things happening. So again, just a few uh, key messages of, of things to look out for. So the HKMA in, in Hong Kong um, continuing to try and get the ascendancy around regional platforms and integrated regulation pushing forward uh, with some banking initiatives uh, there. The big um, big accounting firms, not necessarily, I guess, directly regulatory-based, but coming out with some ESG reporting standards. So interesting to see the accounting firms making some contributions to this area. NFRD in relation to Europe, corporate disclosures continues to be a hot topic and if anyone can follow the intricacies of that, um, please let us know. But really good to see, you know, hopefully more consistent disclosures, higher standard, you know, drives better disclosures and, and people's ability to, to, to look at different types of risks um, going, uh, going forward. 
Also, the um, OECD came out with a developing sustainable finance definitions and taxonomy article. The World Bank has come out with one a few months ago. The EU taxonomy has a section on this. So if anyone's creating taxonomies, check those great references out. And also the platform for sustainable finance, which is the, the ongoing work that the EU is doing in relation to their EU taxonomy is launched and check that one out as well. So lots of lots of things continuing to happen, Cheryl. And we're, we're going to have to stretch out the uh, length of these podcasts because there's uh, there's too much to put in these days, but um, an interesting month uh, all around, in particular with regulations as well. Thanks, Nick. All right, folks, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Links to the articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found on our website as well as on the show notes. Do follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sustainalytics and send any questions or feedback our way uh, to podcast at sustainalytics.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next